Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 620 of the Old Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, the writer explores two invitations for how to live life with contrasting results. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her animals. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servant girls. She calls from the highest places in the town. You that are simple, turn in here. To those without sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer wins abuse. Whoever rebukes the wicked gets hurt. A scoffer who is rebuked will only hate you. The wise, when rebuked, will love you. Give instruction to the wise and they will become wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will gain in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The foolish woman is loud. She is ignorant and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the high places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. You who are simple, turn in here. And to those without sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But they do not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is taken from Matthew, chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. It can be found on page 7 of the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, Jesus concludes his Sermon on the Mount by describing the two ways we can respond to his message. Everyone, then, who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Emma. Hopefully when you came in, um, you would have been given one of these. Basically, if you're, if you're watching online, it will come with an email later today. It's a little 
pictorial, if you like, visual understanding of how Proverbs 1 to 31, how it all fits together as a book. It's very helpfully made by an organization called The Bible Project. If you Google The Bible Project or if you go onto YouTube and just type in Proverbs Bible Project, then you will get this whole kind of wonderful pictorial representation of Proverbs understood. So that's a bit for your, for your homework. If you're thinking you'd like to know a bit more about Proverbs, then I'm going to give you a couple of quick, helpful things. For those of you who've been joining me on a Tuesday morning or Tuesday evening, you'll be very familiar with this little book that we've been going through, Proverbs, Wisdom for the Whole of Life. You can do this as a Bible study by yourself. So if you want to look at that, I'll leave it on the table um, when I go up to St. George's. Please don't take it with you because it's my copy and I need it for Tuesday morning. And so there. And the other one is, is this one. If you want to look at Proverbs in a bit more detail, this is a book called The Way of Wisdom. It's a, it's a series of 365 words on Proverbs for each day of the year. It just takes a, sometimes just a simple passage on Proverbs and just explains it in a bit more detail. So sometimes you might read a proverb and you think, I'm not quite sure what that means. Well, you'll probably find it will be in that book with a very helpful explanation. That is the end of the brief um, publicity exercise. Let's pray together and we'll look at Proverbs 9. So Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning to awaken our hearts, expand our minds, and shape our identity in you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're on six, page 620 in our pew Bibles. It would be more helpful. You'll get far more out of this if you, if you look at it as I go through it. And if you're watching online, kind of, you can pause it now and you can go and run and get a Bible and we'll, you can catch us up. But please don't put me at 12 times the speed because I'll talk quite fast anyway and then you just won't understand. So here we go. An envelope arrives at the door. Or it could be an email arrives in your inbox. Or it could be, if you like, a post arrives on your social media account. Or maybe even just the phone, buzzes, or rings. Whichever it is, you find there's an invitation awaiting with a date and a time. It goes without saying you want to say yes to this invite. Then, shortly afterwards, another invitation arrives with a date and a time on it, the same date and time as the first one. You've had no invitations for two years and now two come along like buses. What do you do? You've got a decision to make. How will you make that decision? Will you decide on which came first or who's the one who's inviting you or what the invite might be about? Hopefully not on who else might be going. Well, both these readings from Proverbs and Matthew present us with two invitations this morning. In the first one, in the ninth chapter of Proverbs, spread before us are two invitations which kind of act as bookends to this particular chapter. As maybe Emma read them, hopefully you would have seen that the language is unmistakably parallel, getting us to think straight away. There's, a, there's a either or choice here. 
Their invitations to dinners like no others, with hostesses like no others, with outcomes like no others. Either or choices. We've got a decision to make. It could be one we face every day. Which one will we choose? Well, let's explore them briefly. Note with me firstly the similarities. Notice how both invitations are to dinner. In verses 5 and verse 17, they're to eat and they're to drink. Notice with me in verses 3 and verse 14 that both of these invitations are to a hostess's home, which we read are located in a prominent place, the highest point in the town or the city. We could say on one of two sides of the main street of that particular town. Both offer rewards in verse 6 and verse 18. Both are to the same group in verse 4 and verse 16, what the writer to the Proverbs calls the simple, which we'll return to shortly. Four similar things about this passage. Now notice with me four differences. Notice how the invitations are from very different hostesses. We could call them, as we did on the Tuesday morning and Tuesday evening Bible studies, Lady Wisdom and Dame Folly. If you notice Lady Wisdom's invitation in verses 2 through 5, she's prepared her food. She's prepared her drink. She's sent out her servant girls with her invitations, whereas we read in verses 14 to 17 that Dame Folly has kind of stolen her food. She's stolen her drink, and she just calls out loudly from her own front door. Notice while each home offers rewards, acceptance to either invitation leads to very different outcomes. Those outcomes that are emphasized repeatedly through the book of Proverbs. One, Lady Wisdom's invitation, enter into her house. It leads to an invitation to find life. To live and walk, we read in verse 6, in the way of insight. Whereas entering Dame Folly's house is an invitation to remain in one's ignorance. To find oneself in the place of the dead before your physical life has ended. That's what verse 18 means. These two outcomes, life or death, are the only two outcomes available in the book of Proverbs. They're either or choices. Life opens a door to wisdom, with life referring to the quality of life, and not just or necessarily its longevity, as is mentioned in verse 11, or alternatively, death, which leads down a pathway of folly or destruction. The similarities Four differences. Now notice with me what are the two key phrases, I think, to understand these two invitations and how we apply them to our lives. The first is the word that appears in verse 4 and verse 16. The simple. As we read the book of Proverbs, we'll find we come across repeatedly and sometimes frequently words that we might consider today to be insults or derogatory terms of speech. You know, we, we heard some of them just in that passage, as I mentioned, simple, scoffer, mocker, sluggard. 
And of course, most commonly of all, fool. We hear those words and they maybe make us feel a little bit uncomfortable in the pew. Why does the Bible mention them? Or maybe wherever we may be watching this message. You see, what the writer is doing in those particular days, they were all expressions used to describe foolish behavior. The most common type of which was obstinate behavior. That's where when we see the word fool, when it's translated in the book of Proverbs in our English Bibles, that's the behavior that it's talking about. People who see themselves as wise in their own eyes, opinionated, full of their own self-importance and unable to learn knowledge or be corrected. I'm sure we've never met anyone like that. You know, child psychologists will tell us today that as human beings, we are born obstinate and naturally unwise. Hence the need and urgency for us to get to grips with this book and what it's teaching us about wisdom. As Brian taught us last week, what was it? Heavenly guidelines for life on earth. There's Proverbs in six words. Heavenly guidelines for life on earth. We could say of applying Jesus' words on earth as it is to heaven. To our everyday situations, whatever we find ourselves facing. So the simple in Proverbs is a term to define those who behave foolishly. Either because they might be gullible, easily led or influenced, they could lack understanding or judgment. We could say they're naive or confused about life. But just as the simple can be foolish, so also we read in Proverbs 19 and verse 25, they can also learn sense. That's the first word that's critical to understanding and applying this passage. The other word is the phrase, the highest point in the town, or the highest point in the city, as some translations put it. In Solomon's day, what did the highest point in the town represent? In Jerusalem, what did the highest point of the city represent? When you went through the hills, in those days, what was on the highest point? In Jerusalem, it was the temple. In the highest point outside in the countryside, it was the Asherah poles. You see, what we have played out before us this morning is these two invitations are more than an invitation to a mere dinner. It's an invite for each of us to consider the biggest decision we will ever make in life. The idea of will we accept Lady Wisdom's invitation, if you like, to worship the true God and practice faithfulness, or will we accept the counterfeit, as the people of Israel so often did, the counterfeit invitation from Dame Folly to practice spiritual adultery, to follow a false God, an imitation of the real thing. And so off they went, away from the temple, into the countryside. They went to the high places and they offered sacrifices to gods like Baal at their Asherah poles. Two invitations to the simple. Calling out in both the everyday and most important decisions we will ever make. And then sandwiched in between 
these two invitations are, if you like, two ways we can respond to them. Here's that other um, derogatory term, scoffer. We can scoff at them or we can learn to be wise. Which invitation will we accept? Now, if you've been joining me on a Tuesday morning or a Tuesday evening, you may notice with both verses 7 and verses na- verse 9, we did this exercise as to what type of proverb it is. And some of you are thinking, because you were there, that you're thinking, I know what that is. It's what's called a corresponding proverb. And you would be correct. It's where each line reinforces the other in synonymous parallelism. So in verse 7, we have a description of the hard-nosed rejection of the scoffer. You know, have you ever met a person like this? The sheer futility of attempting to change them will be more painful than what it's worth. And ultimately unsuccessful. Or verse 9 is the complete difference. Ever met a person like that? This and the difference that it is? The difference of a positive reception from the wise becoming wiser still. And then in verse 8, you've got this contrasting proverb. The switch between the two. Give instruction to the wise and they will become wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will gain in learning. Verse 9, but in verse 8, a scoffer who is rebuked will only hate you. The wise, when rebuked, will love you. And then in verse 10, we return to the central theme of the book and the very foundation stone for being wise. As we've seen repeatedly through this series and as we'll see next week and the week after, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. In the same way the alphabet is the beginning of reading. So is the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. Now hopefully we remember by now and we've, we've learned that that doesn't mean to come with a sense of cringing terror or dread before the Lord, but rather it means to be filled with awe and wonder. Awe of the great Lord and in wonder before his faithful covenant love for each one of us. To come to him in reverent obedience which flows from and through a relationship with him. And then in verse 12, the writer to the Proverbs sums it all up by reminding us this decision we make, it's up to us. How will we respond? But what verse 12 teaches us, doesn't it? It says that the decision we make will shape us. Will we heed Lady Wisdom's invitation or will we heed Dame Follies? For we read in verse 12, you will personally reap the benefits of wisdom in the quality of your life or you will bear the harmful damages that will fall squarely on your shoulders. Two choices from two invitations. It was this same invitation to choose wisdom and know God that Jesus outlined in the greatest speech of all time, what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. A message, if you like, packed with wisdom, providing building blocks for life. 
Jesus chose to end his words with, if you like, metaphors from a construction project in the form of an invitation. We probably all learnt it as kids, but I find it has far more application to us as we go through our lives as adults. I wonder when he said those words, whether he had those words from Proverbs chapter 9 in mind. Because in Jesus' invitation, like in Proverbs, we're faced with an either-or choice, wisdom or folly. In Jesus' invitation, like in Proverbs, we see the outcomes of our choice being defined in equally stark contrasts. And in Jesus' invitation, like in Proverbs, the decision of that choice is left to us. So what I want us to to do in the time that's remaining is I want to try and hopefully leave you with a, with a helpful aid that I kind of was thinking about this week that I kind of just, just made up that will maybe help us to say yes to wisdom in every decision in our lives, even the small ones. Here's why. Because one, it's the culmination, isn't it, of small decisions each day which leads to often the one big mistake in our life. The one big mistake in our life doesn't just happen overnight. It comes through a series of smaller steps that we've taken first. But the other reason is because I find that we're prone. Certainly I'm in my own life to to kind of move back and forth between both of these houses from the invites we receive and the decisions we take. You know, we can move in, in, in all sorts of decisions. You know, I got my eyes tested last week and the, the optician said to me, you know, oh, your, your distance has just gone a bit. Your reading's absolutely wonderful. I think you might need varied focals. And I just sort of like thought, no, I don't. She said, well, what about when you're reading or preaching? You're going to need varied focals. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And now perhaps I'm realizing the consequences that I should have listened to her more. But we'll see how we go on with that. But you see, we're all like this. And the decisions we make, the right choice may be obvious, but we ourselves are complicated, obstinate, and unwise. It's why we need wisdom. So the idea I want to leave you with is this idea based upon the word rock. R-O-C-K. What the wise person built their life upon in this story, because we all remember Jesus' story. And so I just kind of played around with this word rock this morning. For what is a wise person to do in terms of the decisions that we face all the time? And rock stands for reverent obedience to Christ your King. R-O-C-K. Let's unpack that a little bit further. Firstly, reverence. Reverence comes from remembering the Lord as we go through each day and the invitations that we face. However we use the definition of fear, whether positive or negative, we only fear if we give it recognition. To fear the Lord in reverence to me is about remembering the Lord as we go through the day and not treat him as a silent or even absent partner, which it's so easy to do, isn't it? Because in Jesus' day, just like in ours, most building projects in our life today are self-built projects. We can go around blind and deaf, autonomous to the whispers of God. And so the thing about remembering is often we know what we should do, but we've forgotten. 
And so we need to be reminded over and over again. Reminded as our psalm taught us this morning, I will sing of your love in the morning, your steadfast love and your faithfulness by night. To apply, if you like, these words. I was just reading these words this this week, Psalm 77. And you know when you're reading the Bible and sometimes the words will just jump up at you and you'll go, wow. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your will, God, is holy. What God is so great as our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the people. With your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Reverence comes from remembering the Lord. The O. Secondly, obedience comes from listening to the Lord. You see, in Jesus' story, he said, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise person who built their house on rock. Here's the thing that those hearers would have heard and understood that we might perhaps not grasp. In the Hebrew language, the verb to hear and the verb to do are the same. You know, you'll probably know it. You'll probably, I'm just going to remind you of it now. Shema. The implication being that if you heard something, you did it. You obeyed it. Who we listen to in our lives has authority in our lives. In effect, they become the owner of our lives because we base our decisions based on what they may say to us. And we need to remember who's our owner. Reverence comes from remembering the Lord. Obedience follows from listening to the Lord. We're to give reverent obedience to or remember our owner is Christ. Jesus the Christ. Remember how John described him in the Gospel of John? You know, if we ever want a picture of the divinity of Christ, there we need to go. We just need to read John 1. He was in the beginning with God. It was through him the world came into being. It was Christ who makes God known. In other words, what that means is this. If you want to know God, you look at Jesus Christ because in God there is no unchristlikeness at all. Or if we're not just happy on reading John 1, then we just need to read Colossians 1. Because how does Paul describe Jesus? The image of the invisible God. For in him all things were created in heaven and on earth and in him all things hold together. In the book to the church at Corinth, just in the first chapter, we read Christ is the wisdom of God. Or what did the writer to the Hebrews say? In the first chapter again, I've just found a little play there. All you have to remember is John 1, Hebrews 1, Colossians 1, 1 Corinthians 1 describes Jesus as the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And then the angels just sing, Christ is the one who created all things and by your will they were existed and were created. Reverence comes from remembering the Lord. Obedience comes from listening to the Lord our owner. Reverent obedience to Christ, remembering our owner is Christ, and fourthly, because he 
is our king. Seated on the heavenly throne at the right hand of God, the risen ascended Lord to whom every knee will bend, whether in heaven on earth or under the earth, as Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Oh, who the angels just cry out without ceasing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty who was and is and is to come. Or if we just prefer the music of Handel, King of kings and Lord of lords. The king who has power of authority over your life. R-O-C-K. Rock. Practice reverent obedience to Christ your king by remembering your owner is Christ the king. Choose life and walk and accept the invitation of Lady Wisdom and walk through her house for through it is the pathway to life in all its abundance. In the words of the great prayer of Richard of Chichester, Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for all the benefits that you have won for us, for all the pains and insults that you have borne for us. Most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may we know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly day by day. In Jesus' name, amen.